Hello, this is Arthur Schofield coming from sunny Norwich, Connecticut. Happy to be back on Classic Movie Reviews presenting another film. This film from 1960, The Time Machine, directed and produced by George Powell. This movie is often considered to be one of the more iconic science fiction films, but it's also very much a, an adventure. It also received the Academy Award for what was called Best Special Effects due to its time-lapse imagery, showing people going through time, journeying into the future. It has a super cast, including Rod Taylor, Alan Young, Yvette Mimia, Sebastian Cabot, and Whit Bissell. So sit back and enjoy a wonderful classic adventure from 1960, directed by George Powell, The Time Machine. Well, that was the awesome opening music to The Time Machine, released in 1960, uh, directed by George Powell, and starring one of our favorites, Rod Taylor. Uh, this is part of our month of science fiction films that were recommended by Arthur Schoolco. So thank you, Arthur. These are all really great films. And you're listening to Classic Movie Reviews. Uh, you can find us on the internet at classicmoviereviews.net and on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash classicmoviereviews. And I'm Matt Johnson coming to you from wintry North Bend today. And this is Bob Johnson here in uh, Los Angeles welcoming everyone back to Classic Movie Reviews and The Time Machine. August 17th, 1960, it was released... And uh, I would have gone to see it probably shortly after that. A lot of fun things in this film. A lot of really... And I love the time travel machine. Yeah. That must have broke their budget because they put a lot of time and effort into it. It's, it's a big budget film, I mean, for the time. It's got a lot of great special effects. It really does. And it's based on H.G. Uh, Wells' novella from 1895 of the same name, The Time Machine. H.G. Wells must have, I haven't read a lot of his his works, have you? Yeah, I've read quite a few. I've read The Time Machine several times, and it's really great. Is it is it uh, similar to the film? 
It's very, very similar, actually. Um, there's there's one section of the book that they cut out of the movie, which I kind of wish they'd kept in, but I understand why they didn't put it in, um, which we can get to when we talk about the plot. But, you know, I really love the opening of the film with the music and the way that the seasons are changing, kind of giving you that sense of passing time. Yeah. And then on the opening credits, it ends on winter, and then they fade into a scene, a wintry scene, in front of uh, George's house, George Wells. So Rod Taylor plays H. George Wells. Obviously, he's H.G. Wells uh, in the movie. And the music is really good. And there's a, there's a theme in there, the time traveler theme, which just keeps coming up. And it's really beautiful. I get sucked into this movie right away. I, I do too. In the first act, where they where we meet, where we meet uh, Rod Taylor, and then we meet Alan Young and Sebastian Cabot, and that group of men that were friends and and colleagues of of uh, Rod Taylor's is fascinating to me because it's so it evokes that period of time, the turn of the century. Oh yeah, and <clears throat> all these men. They're smoking their fancy cigars and having their brandy and telling him all the reasons why if this is never going to work. Oh, it's beautiful. Remarkable. Very nice, Joe. Fascinating. What is it? This is only a small experimental model, of course. To carry a man, a larger edition is needed. To carry a man? Where? Into the past or into the future? This is a time machine. All right, George, now you've had your little joke. Suppose you tell us what this contraption's really for. I've already told you, Doctor. The larger model can be used to carry a passenger on a journey through time. Not through space, mind you, but through time. I say, George, if you're going to start floating about in the future, aren't you going to rather mess things up for the rest of us? No, the future's already there. It's irrevocable and cannot be changed. I wonder. You know, that's the most important question to which I hope to find an answer. Can man control his destiny? Can he change the shape of things to come? Oh, now, look here, George. If you've gone out of your head, I forgive you. But if you've made us waste all this time listening to uh, talk to my... No, 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 Doctor. You're here as witnesses. To see, not to listen. To see? What? The experiment I am about to perform. First, let me tell you how it works. Here in this compartment, you see the saddle where the time traveler sits. And in front of him are the controls. Uh, wait, let's do this properly. You can spare a cigar, I trust, Doctor? Now, let us imagine that this cigar is the time traveler. Now, in front of him is the lever which controls movement. Forward pressure sends the machine into the future. Backward pressure into the past. And the harder the pressure, the faster the machine travels. Of course, our little experiment can be performed only once. If it succeeds, I lose my model forever. That's why I need witnesses. Go ahead, George. You ready, gentlemen? <laughs> <laughs> 
Doctor. If you can't lend me your hand. Yeah, and he get, he's getting frustrated with them because they, they're not really listening. And it, it's interesting. I've watched this movie so many times, but I noticed this time that when Rod Taylor is explaining the fourth dimension and how the time machine works, he, he looks directly at the camera like he's talking to the audience. Yes. Like he's explaining it. He's explaining it to us as well as the people in the room. And then he opens that beautifully crafted small box, and there's a miniature of the time machine that actually works. Wow. Yeah, that's so cool. He puts a cigar in there like a yeah. time traveler person. <laughs> he says something around this point um, where he, he's talking to Philby because they all get kind of fed up with him and, and they're they're uh, saying that, have you thought about the, the commercial applications of this technology? All right, all right. Suppose what you say is true. What do you expect us to do with such a contraption? Contraption? For my part, I intend taking a journey into the future. Or perhaps the doctor would volunteer to go. <laughs> but look here, George. Supposing you do go off and get lost in the 50th century or something. How are you going to get back? That's a risk I'm prepared to take. Oh, now, look here, George. I don't know what you take us for, but we're not fools, you know. We're practical men, businessmen. No, 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 George, the question I want to put to you is this. Even if you had invented a time machine or whatever you call it, what of it? What use would it be to anyone? Who would want to buy it? And how much would they be willing to pay for it? Yes, George, have you thought of the commercial possibilities? No, I really haven't. And he just gets this disgusted look on his face like he says, no, actually, I haven't. And I feel like there's a real strong anti-war because the, the the premise is that they're in there's they're at war and boy this technology would be great for for fighting in the wars and and he's disgusted by that but i also feel like there's a little bit of an anti-capitalism <laughs> message here about hey it's not just it's everything is not just about making money there's other things that are important and, yeah and the, and the uh, men that are there with him sort of epitomize the uh, industrial complex and the pursuit of money. But the war theme it continues through the whole film. At one point, there's been a war going on for 320 years. And I, I was, you know, I forgot that when I watched yeah. it. And then I watched it again. It was like, holy smokes. So George George says to the group, he says, he, he wants to know if we can change or can we change the shape of things to come? And that's a direct reference to another H.G. Wells story called The Shape of Things to Come, where he kind of uh, prophesizes what the future is going to be like. So I, I, lo I love that little bit of in, if you know about H.G. Wells, a little in, not joke, but just sort of reference there. It was a, it was a really well done job of directing, too, by George Powell. Yeah. He finally won an honorary Academy Award in 1944, long before this film. Oh really? For his work, for his work in in the industry. Um, if you haven't seen it, a movie that I would recommend that he did is called Destination Moon, from 1950. Oh, yeah. Another really well done science fiction film. 
Well, the Time Machine won an Oscar for Best Effects. Uh, so it's... Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the effects are really good. Uh, one other thing that I liked was the little scene between George and Philby in front of the fire because Philby kind of hangs back after the other uh, guys leave and uh, he he's worried about his friend George because they're they're like best friends and George is kind of playing it off like no no I'm fine I'm fine but finally he he kind of starts to talk to Philby about what's going on and well you shouldn't have troubled yourself David I'm all right no you're not been behaving oddly for over a month now. I'm not leaving here until you tell me what's on your mind. Look, David, I appreciate the gesture. I, I just want to be left alone, that's all. You've changed, George. Enormously. I'm sorry. Will you answer me one question, honestly? Yes, I'll try. Why this preoccupation with time? Why not? Don't go simple on me, George. All right, if you want to know the truth, I don't much care for the time I was born into. It seems people aren't dying fast enough these days. They call upon science to invent new, more efficient weapons to depopulate the Earth. And I agree with you. I agree, George. But here we are, and, and we have to make the best of it. You may have to. I don't. All right. Take your, take your journey on your contraption. What would you become? A Greek? A Roman? One of the pharaohs? I prefer the future. You're not seriously saying you can't do it. David, you saw the experiment this afternoon, didn't you? I saw a toy machine vanish. Certainly, there are any number of ways of doing that trick. Any magician at the Hippodrome could probably do it. It wasn't a trick. Would you like to see the full-scale model? No, I would not. I have no desire to tempt the laws of providence. And I don't think you should... It's not for man to trifle with. Oh, you're carrying on like Hillier and Kemp now. There is something to say about their common-sense attitude to life. George, I speak to you as a friend. More, as a brother. If that machine can do what you say it can, destroy it. Destroy it, George, before it destroys you. And Philby says, well, why do you want to travel through time? Like, what, what is it about that that's so important to you? And George says, I don't much care for the time I was born into. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think that's such a neat like concept of, well, I'm, I don't like the time I'm born into, and I've built a machine so I can go visit other times. You know, it's like, that's, that's very evocative. And he really only wanted, wanted to go forward in time. He didn't really yeah. want to go back. Yeah. I don't know about the sequence, but I think I'm remembering correctly that they decide to meet the next Friday. At, yeah, and, for and then uh, they all get kind of irritated because uh, Rod Taylor is late, and then he busts in and he's just a wreck. He's all beat up and everything. And then we flash back to what's happened. Is that have yep, I got the yep. sequence right on that? Yeah, yeah. They they 
Yeah, so yeah, so it, it does open up with um, George bursting in and he's all bleeding and beat up and then he he starts to recount what happened over the last week. He's usually most prompt, precise, and punctual. Oh, he's making fools of us by inviting us here and then not showing up. It's not the behavior of a gentleman. To say nothing of the waste of time. Huh? Yes, to say nothing of the waste of time. Ah, uh, there's one thing I like about old George. He's got the best cellar in the south of England. And Mrs. Watchett is the finest cook in the world. Yes, I think I'll drink to that. Food. A drink. <laughs> I didn't like it. I did watch it. Well, can't you speak, man? What happened to you? Aren't you Leave him alone, can't you? Oh, it's all right. I've got to tell it now, David, while I still remember it. Relax. Try to relax. You've all the time in the world. You're right, David. It's exactly what I have. All the time in the world. Ever since we were together five days ago. It's the last day of 1899. Yeah, I mean, it's been a week for them, but for George, it's been like a whole lifetime, right? Thousands <laughs> been, of years. Yeah, tens of thousands of years into the future, yeah. And that just that trip and, alone. Imagine what that would be like today with special effects, the way they've been evolved. Oh, know, wow. You know, they, they, did that, they did that remake of The Time Machine um, in the 2000s, and they just totally changed the story. And, and yeah. It just was not as good. It just yeah, it didn't hang together. I'd love to see a remake of a more true to uh, the original story kind of film. Well, you never know the way uh, these get recycled. I would I would be happy yeah. if they did this same movie with the same script and and just change the effects. Like yeah, they, I think true. that happened yeah. a few years ago with Psycho. All right. So George decides that he's gonna get out of there he's going to try his time machine he's never tested it before so we get to see him using it for the first time and when you first see the time machine it's just a beautiful piece of work like you said at the outset of the show oh it is and it's fun to watch him sort of do some test runs with it a little bit and then faster and at one point he stops too quickly and it turns over that's down the road a bit but and and to see the scenes change in his house yeah, and he's he's watching the fashions change on the mannequin across the street in the store window, and <laughs> you know it's he's kind of he's kind of blushing because the clothes are getting, you know, skimpier and skimpier. But I mean, compared to today's standards, not really. But for I guess nineteen hundred, it would be. He uh, stops because there's this loud, bo- uh, like booming sound, and he gets out and goes across the street and meets up with uh, Philby's son, James. And James explains that they're at war, you know, and and, and he's he's just disgusted again. He's like, God, are we ever not at war? 
and he decides that he's got to go and continue further forward into the future and stops when he hears this loud siren sound and gets out and goes and at this point his house is completely uh, dilapidated and boarded up and oh no actually at that point it's not even the house isn't even there it's just turned into a park like a memorial to to yeah the fact that yeah and he meets up with James again, but now James is an old man, and there's a siren, like a air raid kind of bomb siren, and everybody's running un- underground because they're afraid of nuclear war. James is trying to... He, he can't believe that this is the same guy he saw, like, you know, 50 years earlier, because he doesn't look any older. Come on, young men! Come on! Come on! Philby? The name is Mr. Philby. And didn't you hear the air raid siren? You mean the horrible screeching? It wasn't constructed for its aesthetic value, young man, but to warn silly young fools like you to get into the shelter. Now, come along, come along. But, but, but I'm perfectly comfortable here, Mr. Philby. I, I, I've got to talk to somebody. This is fantastic. Your store is magnificent. The, the splendid achievements, the, the, the gigantic strides that mankind has Come taken. along, young be... man. Come along, come along. You'd better hurry or the mushrooms will be sprouting. Mushrooms? You look familiar. Haven't we met somewhere before? Indeed we have, Mr. Philby. Right there, many years ago. I was sure of that, but the exact time escapes me. It was two wars ago, 1917. Now I recall the chap who inquired about my father and the house that used to stand across the way. No, no, that's impossible. You haven't changed. You're not a day older. And your clothes. Don't don't worry, Philby. It'll take a little time to explain, but you see, that's the last alert. Hurry, hurry. But listen, this is important. Look. Atomic satellite zeroing in. That's important. Come on. This is one part of the movie that I wish was a little bit different because they actually have the atomic bomb go off with George right there in the park. And I feel like he would have died from the exposure and the radiation and the heat and all that. And I wish that they had, I wish he had gotten back into his machine and started going forward and then seen the uh, bomb go off and he wouldn't have been affected because he's traveling through time. Oh yeah, I hadn't, I really thought, even when I watched it in the theater, I didn't think of that. I, yeah, it's a good the good catch. Well, another thing that happened, um, the Phil, uh, Philby, the Philbys made sure that that property stayed undeveloped in the hopes that he might return someday. Yeah, they really went out of their way to preserve that, which comes in handy it does. <laughs> later in the yeah. film. So he proceeds to move forward thousands and thousands of years. He gets trapped in a in a mountain and. Yeah, and he's he's like I just hope he's going so fast that he's just hoping he can outweigh the the erosion of this mountain. So he, he's he's traveling really fast through time because that's going to take you know tens of thousands of years for that to happen. 
but it does and then he he comes upon which he he kind of watches the landscape change and it turns almost into like a garden environment it's like this paradise and off in the distance he sees this very futuristic city being built and and then you can see the futuristic city sort of decay as well and then he decides he's going to stop because he thinks oh he must have finally reached a point in time where uh, humankind has tamed the weather and the environment and they've turned earth into like this utopia and he makes the mistake like you said of of stopping too quickly and the time machine spins around and he gets thrown out onto the ground and then there's this there's like this weather explosion where all this hail and and smoke and stuff come down out of the sky because of the disturbance that he's caused in the environment yeah. <laughs> only my speed through time saved me from being roasted alive and encased in stone forever the molten rock cooled I prayed, wondering how many centuries, how many eons must pass before the wind and rain could wear away the mountain that enclosed me. still exist on earth when I saw the sun again. The centuries rolled by. I put my trust in time and waited for the rock to wear down around me. I was free again. Thousands of centuries had passed. But the earth had stayed green. There was no winter, no wars. Had man finally learned to control both the elements and himself? I had to stop and find out. But I'd stop too fast. So he's in the land of the... Eloi. Yeah, Eloi. And they are dominated by the Morlocks who live underground. They, they probably went underground tens of thousands of years ago to avoid the radiation and the pollution. Um, yeah. Is that, is, does that hold true in his book, in the H.G. Wells book? It does, yeah, it does. Uh, the, the one, one difference is that uh, the Eloi are very small childlike like i think they're f three three or four feet tall and very childlike innocent and i think it would have been a it would have been too difficult probably to show that um in the movie and also it's a little bit creepy because uh george kind of falls in love with weena yeah and you know it, it makes more sense when you see yvette mimu uh as weena in the film because she looks like you know, a modern day, I guess in the 60s, what a woman would have looked like in the 60s uh, kind of style. 
but you can imagine it would have been really strange to see George kind of falling in love with this small, childlike, innocent creature in the future. It would have been too it weird. Really it's weird. a little bit weird in the story, too, yeah. And uh, a couple of things. He stops, and, and the date is October 12th, 802,701. I just found that on my write-up. Yeah. So he's gone almost a million years into the future. I tell you. One thing I really, really appreciate in the movie is they never try to explain how the time machine works. No. You know, it's just. No. They don't need to. It's, it doesn't matter. It's like the mechanics of that is not important. It's, it's <laughs> truly a classic film property. I wonder where that's at today. It might be in the Smithsonian. I don't know. That'd be worth a search. I think it, it is. It is on display. It is on. It, it was restored and it's on display. I, I, I have to. I don't remember where, but it, it is. Uh, it does exist in some somewhere. The thing that I also noticed it is all the all the uh, Eloy uh, have the same hair and and uh, sort of a washed out no- Nordic look, like they must have been affected yeah. by the uh, the radiation to 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 look that they have that same look they all have the same appearance and that was it was almost like watching a group of cattle where they'd all been raised to be herefords or something yeah i think that's it's interesting i, I just found this great website called timemachine.fandom.com and it says the eloy are happy people who speak a simple language and are mainly interested in playfulness they often play with flowers and other amusing items physically they are shorter than humans have blonde hair smooth skin and are weaker than modern humans they only eat fruit, which means they are frugivores. Additionally, they seem to have some form of low-grade telepathy. Weena was able to sense the time traveler's presence in her mind and became aware of strong, clearly imagined thoughts in his mind. And um, I, I, I do think that they were bred as food, right? I mean, we find that's that's the big reveal yeah. when George goes underground is that the the Morlocks are eating them. This was the destiny of the Eloi. They were being bred by the Morlocks, who had degenerated into the lowest form of human life, cannibalism. Well, George decides he's going to go try to search out what's going on, so he starts down the, uh, I, I call it an air shaft, but uh, um, whatever that might be. Before he gets very far into it, the, those horrible sirens go off. And they're exactly yeah. like the ones that were from hundreds of thousands of years before, just before that nuclear attack. And all the people just f- go into a trance, all the Eloi go into a trance and start heading for the large Sphinx-like entrance to the caves. And then... Uh, yeah. Some of them get inside, and then the sirens stop, and the, the the big wall closes, the gate closes. So that's how they would herd their their uh, their people. And George is a little bit trapped now because the Morlocks also grabbed his time machine and pulled it inside of their uh, their building that he landed next to, that he appeared next to when he arrived. And so he's he's. Uh, He's kind of, at first he just wants to get his time machine, but as he learns more about the Eloi, he also wants to sort of liberate them from the Morlock, trying to teach them how to fight and have like some 
emotions towards each other because they they really don't even like Weena is drowning in the river yeah. and George rescues her and then he yells at them because they they didn't even bat an eye at the fact that she was drowning. Stop! Well, what happens to them? Don't stand there like fatted cattle, will you? Answer me. What is wrong? There is nothing wrong. It is all clear. What do you mean, all clear? All clear. The middle 1900s, the falling bombs, the people calling out, all, all clear. No, that's gone, that's past. There are no more flying machines, no more bombs, no more wars. The rings have told us that story. But you didn't listen. You didn't learn anything. It was ages ago that men were, were taught to hide below the ground when the sirens blew, to, to run from the reigning death, but it's over. Those men are dead. The men who slaughtered them are dead. But there is nothing to fear. It is all clear. What about the ones who went below? How do you think, how do you think they're gonna come back? They never come back. Nobody can bring them back. You can try. You can try. Won't even, won't even one of you try! Well, I'll try. They're just like cattle. They're yeah. just doing their own thing. He finally is successful in getting them to at least begin to defend themselves against the Morlocks. He, he leads a rescue mission down into the tunnels and he's able to free a bunch of them and they get into a big fight underground and and some of them actually start fighting as well which is when we first get a sense of like oh maybe he can teach them how to survive in a way other than just as cattle the thing i noticed that was kind of like he he really wanted to get away from war and and fighting and all of that almost to the point where he goes a million miles in a million years into the future. And then because of the situation, he has to teach these people how to defend themselves and to fight. It's a parad it's a paradox. It's a total paradox. That's one of the things I really like yeah. about this story and this movie. He has and, no choice. And it makes you it makes you ask the question of like, well when is it is there a time when you have to fight? You know, like they are living in a peaceful civilization in, in a way. They they they're really there's a balance between the Morlocks and the Eloi, and the Eloi are happy and they're living sort of this carefree life. I mean, the Morlocks are, I think, they seem miserable living underground and, and having to eat these Eloi, but the story's more, I think, about the Eloi, although I, I find the Morlocks to be kind of tragic characters as well. They are. They, they remind me of those underground dwellers in the Omega Man. The Charlton Heston yeah, movie. Yeah, they even have that, that, that look, look to them. Yeah. yeah. So that's a paradox that I that I found really interesting in the film. But they do begin to defend themselves, and he's able to uh, get the time machine to work. There's a big explosion underground, and they feed this fire with all this wood from, like this dead wood from above ground. And so it, you get the idea that maybe they've killed off the Morlocks, or the most of the Morlocks, and... Uh, and the door to the um, where his time machine is is open now, and so he is 
able to uh, get to his machine, but he and he wants to take Weena back with him back to his time. And she's she's asking him all these questions about well, what is it like back then? Would I be beautiful? How do women wear their hair back then? Another night was coming, but this night, no Eloy needed to fear. The underworld of the Morlocks was gone, and so was the life of leisure for the Eloy. But then what of me? I was imprisoned in a world in which I just did not belong. Are you sorry? Hmm? Sorry? Sorry for what? That you have to stay. Yes. I'm sorry because I could tell so much to the people of my time, Weena. I could let them know about... about the sorrow and the happiness that the future has in store for them. Maybe they could learn from it. Or could they? You don't want to stay, do you? Oh, it isn't that. Just that I don't really fit here any more than you would in my time. I would love to see your time. Mm-mm. You wouldn't be very happy there. Do you have someone there? Someone like me? No, no one like you. I have friends, of course, friends who'll miss me. As a matter of fact, I'm probably late already. Women? No. As a matter of fact, there is one woman. But she looks after my house for me, and she's 62 years old and all wrinkled and nothing. <laughs> Thank you. How do they wear their hair? Who? The women of your time. Up. like that. Show me. Would I be pretty? Yes, you would. back to my time, or even to the time before that when the world was young, we could be very happy. He, he goes to get his time machine, and he says, come on, Weena, let's go, and she kind of hesitates, and then the door comes down between yeah, them, and then a... he's separated from her. And So he takes off. He's got to fight the Morlocks one last time, and he's able to get the time machine working, and, and he goes forward in time initially, and he, he watches the Morlocks decompose around him. Which is kind of cool. <laughs> and then he returns. But this is the part in the book where it veers off from the movie, where in the book he, he decides he's going to go even further into the future. And he goes all the way to the point where the earth is near dead and the, the, the sun is sort of a dying star. And he, he arrives on the shore of this ocean and there's it's just it's just still. It's like 
almost silent, and all he hears is a, a gentle lapping of the waves. And the, the sun is this very faint star off in the distance, you know, up in the sky. And he is sitting there kind of like looking at this, and there's not very much oxygen left as well, so he's having a hard time breathing. But then he sees what he thinks is a rock, but it's it's not a, it's it's like a, a boulder like a a large boulder but it's not it's actually like this crab or crustacean creature which kind of wakes up when he arrives and then starts coming toward him and he's able to escape just before this crustacean attacks him and he goes then the, then he goes back in time back to his time like in the movie but i think it would have been cool to have like a little 5 minute piece in this film where he goes all the way towards the end of of time on earth and sees what that looks like oh my yeah wow well maybe they'll redo it that way (laughs) the special edition we can (laughs) add that in with our so he uh he travels back to the exact friday that they were all going to get together and he he lands he's well he doesn't land he never left but uh he's outside of the house because the, the the machine had been drug inside the Morlocks place, and that's when he comes mm-hmm. back into the uh, living room, dining room, all beat up, and yeah. and it's only been a week. And and they're they're like, what the heck's going on? And they they still don't believe him. But then he pulls out this flower that Weena gave him, and he shows it to Philby, and he says, Philby, you you're into botany. Can you can you tell me where this flower came from? And Philby's flummoxed. He has no idea. He's never seen anything yeah. like it before or heard of it. Yeah. It's it's an interesting. Philby is an interesting character, and I thought Alan Young did a really terrific job of of portraying him. Uh, Mr. Young had such a long career. Many of our listeners may remember him from the TV days when he was uh, the main character on Mr. Ed from oh, 1961 yeah. to 1966. He played Wilbur Post, but he was really really good. So. Uh, they're still skeptical. These these guys just can't get outside their heads to, to think beyond where the next major weapon of destruction can be made and what can they make from it. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, Taylor's fed up. Yeah. Well, and he, uh, he yeah, he kind of just doesn't even, he just kind of gives up trying to explain to them. And uh, he he uh, decides that he's going to go back to the future, uh, which is another great time. It is. is. And he, he, dra- <laughs> he drags the machine inside the house. So it's not inside that. Yeah. That walled off area. And everybody's leaving and Philby's the last one to leave. And he hears the machine sound of the machine. And he's, he's frightened because he thinks, Oh no, the guy's going to go back into the future. Wells is going back to the future. Yeah. So he rushes back into the house. And him and and Miss Mrs. Watchit. We haven't really talked about Mrs. Watchit, but she's she's great too, played by Doris Lloyd, and she's like his housekeeper. And uh, uh, Philby and Mrs. Watchit bust the door open just just after the time machine vanishes, and they kind of put the pieces together that that he did drag the machine out of the Morlocks building into his you know what would in the future be sort of that. Uh, grassy area outside the door and then they go back into the house and there's three books missing yeah i love that part i even i even came up with what the three books were that he took did you do that i i I thought of a couple yeah but what what, yeah i was going to ask you what do you think the three books i think the three were the the full edition of the bible uh 
the the complete works of Greek philosophers. I forget what the name of it is, and then a very well done book on mathematics. Mm. So you'd have religion, philosophy, and mathematics. Those three books, and they're all big ones. I, I think he would have. I think he would have because of the time. I think he would have grabbed the Bible. That was kind of an obvious one to me. Um, and then I thought that he maybe he had one of those books on on survival, like how to make things. Oh out of, yeah, out of natural environment. You know. So just like a like a handbook on how to survive in the wild and how to build things. Uh, so I thought that would be cool because he could use that to kind of teach them how to build things. Um, the MacGyver Manual for Survival. <laughs> whatever the 1900 equivalent of that is, I think he would have grabbed that. Oh, I liked it. And then I think he would have. I think he would have grabbed a, a a book on general sciences, like that something that covers mathematics, engineering, yeah. biology, you know, cause he had a pretty extensive library and he was a scientist. So I'm imagining he would have had some books that would have been like that. I like the fact that left it to the audience to, to ponder which books he took with him. Yeah. And I, I, I just, I, I really liked the, the people that acted in this. They did a really excellent job. Uh, and I'm particularly fond of Alan Young. Yeah, Alan Young was great. Rod Taylor was great. Yvette Mimeo was great. Even Sebastian Cabot, I like his his like doubting character. Yes, <laughs> he's very pompous. Doubting Thomas Doris Lloyd was great as Mrs. Watchit. She was she was great. So I just wondered though if if he when he was going into the future, there was that point where that futuristic city was being built and it looked like it was like thriving, and I just wonder if maybe he didn't make a stop there on the way to even further into the future where. Wiener was to kind of see what what that futuristic city was like i i think i would have stopped and and tried to check that out a little bit more and we don't really know a, a sense of when that was compared to the eight hundred and two thousand years that he was landed no, could have been much earlier no, not really it's a it's a terrific book and and uh, i haven't read it but it's a terrific book and movie the movie is excellent it's one of those that they could remake but they'd have to be careful not to change it a lot i think if they remade it they obviously could use newer special effects which would be which would be great and i think that they should make the the eloy more like in the book uh there's another difference in the book where he um goes and explores and finds this museum and they kind of do a little bit in the movie where he goes to that library <laughs> in the book he goes to, to like dust. yeah, yeah. All the books were completely turned oh. to dust. But in the book, they go to this museum and he finds um, some implements of like, of like flashlights and, and matches. And oh. he uses the matches to light a torch, which I, I forget the sequence, but he ends up catching the forest around the museum on fire, trying to defend them against the Morlocks. And he can hear and the Morlocks are so stunned by the flames and the light that they don't even know what to do. And they just stand there and get burned by the fire. Oh. And he, and he has this thought in his mind. of was like, Oh my gosh, what have I done? You know? And, and like, you know, it, you get the idea. There's like hundreds of Morlocks that are burning to death out in the forest. Oh. Weena actually, Weena actually gets captured by the Morlocks and we, we don't see her like she's gone in the book. So, in the book, he doesn't really he doesn't really go back to Weena in the book because I mean unless unless he's going to try to save her I guess but 
Yeah, Weena Weena doesn't make it <laughs> in the book. Well, again, it reinforces the paradox of the his philosophy and yeah. then what he has to do to help them survive. What was your? It's such a good. What was story. your rating on the film? I give it a nine. I, I think it's uh, excellent. There's a. It's not quite up there with a ten. There's a few things um, that I don't know that detract a little bit from it uh, for me. But uh, overall, I just really enjoy it. I, I'm a, I'm at a nine too, and I think what pulls it back from a ten is the special effects. But for the time, that's what they had to work with. It. So I, maybe I'm being unfair, but I. I think it's just a step down from our number 10 ranking. Excellent film, though. Yeah, definitely. So what's up next on our... I don't have my list in front of me. Well, the last the last movie of the month is War of the Worlds. Oh, yes, 19... I watched that this week. 1953. 1953, yeah. Mm. So that's a great, great with, movie, classic. With, uh, what's his name, Gene... Gene Barry. Gene Barry is our hero. yeah. The scientist. I watched it yesterday. And that one, um, that movie's been remade many, many times. That's has it ever? This is My another goodness. H, this is another H.G. Wells story. Yeah, yeah. And but I think this original one really hits the points for me of what I like about the story, and it's, it does a great job. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. All right. Well, that was our review of the Time Machine, and you're and coming to you from North Bend. This is Matt. And here in Los Angeles, wishing everybody happy. It's Bob. <laughs> and here in Los Angeles, it's Bob. Wishing everybody happy movie watching. But that's all, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Gee whiz. <laughs>